All right, we are live. It is uh, episode 24. Paul, how are you? 24. I'm doing well. How are you feeling this fine afternoon? Oh my God, that sounded like a Hallmark card being translated. I have been watching a lot of Hallmark lately. I, I, need, the, I need the balance. To how, do you know you, how do you know you're watching Lifetime channel? How do you know? How do I know I'm watching Lifetime? Yeah. How do I? How? A woman's getting the hell beat out of her. Yeah. Seriously, that that is Lifetime and Hallmark have become the opposite now. Hallmark is is just calm and soothing, and you know there, there's this loving relationship, and then you go, turn Lifetime on, and that woman is is getting thrown into the wall. Yeah, they are. They're they're running out of material on uh, on those channels though because they're still showing the Christmas movies. Christmas in July. Yeah, yeah. they they just showing, invent it and yeah. like you know what? Let's you know. just. Phil July loves Christmas. Christmas. Everyone loves Christmas. Christmas in a cottage with Jesus. You know, it's it's. You just described every Hallmark movie that ever came out in the holiday season. So, Paul, it's been a uh, wow. Again, we we seem to start off every show by saying, "Wow, it's been a crazy week." Twenty twenty, certainly, yeah. It, it has. Uh, it is actually. It's been crazier, worse. I think. Um, our first segment today, we, we're going to talk a lot about. Uh, DJT, uh, Donald J. Trump. Um, a lot of crazy stuff, more crazy stuff has happened with him. He's now got a doctor that he's kind of touting as being someone who's a genius, which is looks like a, a Creole um, voodoo doctor. Is this the alien DNA doctor? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, you know. That's and, where we're at. Yeah, that's that's where we're the at. The president of the United States is touting a doctor who, who believes in Xenu. That is exactly where we are. Um, but we, I want to play something here that was sent to me by a friend of mine. Um, and you're going to be shocked to hear this, but he's a Trump supporter. But I want to go over, I want to play this for our listeners, and I want to address each section a little bit. So I'll start playing the clip, and and we'll see. On Friday, the Trump administration released their annual report to Congress concerning White House office personnel. It includes the names, status, salary, positions and titles of 377 White House employees. The report also shows that Trump did not take a dime from his salary, but instead donated it to an amazing cause. Furthermore, the report also shows that President Trump is far better in saving money. The White House salaries under Trump are $35.8 million versus $60.9 million under Obama. Okay, let's stop there at first. I went online because that's the place where you go and get everything that's accurate. And are able to verify facts and information from an aggregate of sources. I got you. Yeah, keep in mind, it's something you and I have discussed ad nauseum, but I want to make sure our listeners understand. Both Solio and I understand spinning. We understand what spinning means. In politics, spinning essentially means taking a statistic and twisting it in a way to show your side is better. Pretty good, accurate. That, I think that's definition of spinning. Very succinct and accurate. And and the best example I use of that is uh, uh, whether you're religious or not. Let Jesus walks on the water across the River Jordan. Walks on top of the water across the River Jordan. You know, Jews weren't really a big fan of Jesus at that point. So the two Jewish prophets are the other side. As soon as Jesus finished walking across the top of the water, they looked at each other, shrugged their shoulders, and said, I don't know what's so great about him. He can't swim. <laughs> so that's our point. Things can be spun. But the research that I found about White House salaries, 
there are still fewer people working in the Trump White House than in Obama's. But the combined salaries come in at $41.3 million, a shade more than Obama's last year. So, yeah, there might be fewer people working at the White House, and we might have saved, according to this statistic, around 25 to $30 million. But I also did a check against the national debt. And, Paul, do you know what percentage $35 million is based on, first of all, just our federal budget, point zero 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 four five, and that's of 1% against our, our deficit? 19 zeros, point two six. It's so quicker to say 19 zeros than it is to give the actual figure because we'll lose pl- yeah. our place. I, I don't think there's a number that, that covers that. So I'm glad. I am glad to say, and I could say that maybe Trump's saving some money on White House staffers. Again, that would literally be like you changing a $100 bill into singles and change and losing a penny and claiming and somebody else claiming you're horrible with money because you lost a penny of $100. And, and, I mean, what, what source do we have that this is in any way accurate? One of those lines specifically sounds like it was written by Trump. Uh, he didn't donate, he, he donated every, or didn't take a dime. Well, well yeah, but it's... And, it, and to amazing cause, donated to an amazing cause. Well, what, the, what? Cause, the cause of what he donated it to will be explained in the, in the next clip. So let's, let's let this robot voice continue on. That's a savings of $25.1 million dollars. Here are some more key findings. There are 140 fewer employees in the White House staff under Trump than under Obama during their respective presidencies. 39 fewer staffers are dedicated to the First Lady of the United States. Currently, there are only five staffers dedicated to Melania Trump versus 44 staffers who served Michelle Obama. Okay, perfect time to pause. Did a little research on that. At 10, Melania Trump's staff would be the smallest of any first lady since Mamie Eisenhower. And there's a little bit more. Michelle Obama's staff was about, according to it says here, about 25. 25. That's not 44. That's 25. I'll give you a perspective. I'm going to hit you in the head with my leather belt. 25 times? Or 44 times, Paul. Which one do you want? I'm going to... Can I say zero? Do I Do I you have to pick one? You have to pick one. All right. Tw- let's say 25. So 25 is less. If you're going to be in jail for 44 years or 25 years, 25 actually, sadly, sounds better. Sounds great. Now, according to this, the, the information from the Associated Press, or as Trump would call it, fake news, outgoing First Lady Laura Bush had between 24 and 26 staff members for her. Hillary Rodham Clinton had 19 by March of 2000, mm-hmm. and Nancy Reagan's staff was 15 people. So again, all this information is available in the First Lady Library. Did Michelle Obama do more as First Lady than Melania Trump? I'll ask you that as a fair question. Um, I, I mean, look, Melania had a shirt that said, I don't care, do you? If that's not the biggest accomplishment of any... It just shows the empathy of, of the woman and the depth of the woman. And I'm pretty sure it was a U, like the letter U. Okay. That, that, yes. That I don't, shows. I, don't, I think they were saving a couple dollars to help pay down the deficit. That's what it was. A smaller staff limits the First Lady's reach in terms of advocacy for issues, travel, speeches, and media. And you really don't want me to bring up this figure. They don't want me to bring up this figure as to Melania's wardrobe costs in the first three years of Trump's presidency versus Michelle Obama's in eight. 
now we know why our staff okay. is smaller. Yeah. So again, I, I personally believe I've asked a few people since this was sent over to me on Facebook, and it was since it was on Facebook, you know, it's credible. I've asked several of them. I said, what did Nancy Reagan do as first lady? Say no. Just say no. She really put a lot of emphasis into the war on drugs. Um, Laura Bush, excuse me, um, Barbara Bush was all about literacy, helping kids to be able to read. Uh, and I think Laura Bush also basically was uh, big into that as well. Mm -hmm. Hillary Rodham Clinton was pushing really, really hard for health care. Yeah. There's, there's been some classy first lady actions. I'm not sure I've seen anything from her other than well, I, the t-shirt. Well, I did a little research on that too. And you know what? She is advocating the 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 getting rid of online bullying with her Be Best program. Be well, Best. I know you've heard of that. Be Best, right. That's That would be the answer to be better is Be Best. I, yeah. I, I think that was how yeah. she was going to top. So there was, um, according to this particular site, they said, you know, it's their ruling is that Michelle Obama had a staff of 23 and Melania has a staff of close to 10 now. So that's 50%. That's not 44 and 4. Okay. And I find it interesting that, that the White House feels the need to release something like this and get down to these little numbers, try and break down. And meanwhile, $500 billion, no oversight, just gone. Yeah. No explanation, no document detailing any of that. But they'll break down how many staffers are in the White House because that's what's really important. One, one thing I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't do in segment one here was start talking about how much Donald Trump has spent in golfing. And believe me, they attacked Obama every time he was seen on a golf course. Yet in eight years, the amount of money spent on Obama's vacations, he does in air quotes with his fingers, versus Trump's in three years golfing outings at his own properties most of the time being charged to, so he's making money. Anyway, I'm not even going to bring that up. Let's let this thing go on a little bit further. However, it's what Trump did with his salary that has everyone talking. Instead of taking his salary, Trump donated $400,000 to the Department of the Interior to be used for construction and repair needed at military cemeteries. Amazing. It's so great to have a president who loves our brave military men and women so much. The robot voice there kind of told the whole story. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody is talking. Everybody is talking about it. Okay. Uh, Paul, do you know how much the president makes per year? Uh, is it somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred? You are you are it four hundred thousand dollars. He's the highest paid person in the United States uh, in in government. And uh, after taxes, I, I did I did the, the depending on how many dependents he's, <laughs> he's he's claiming because I couldn't seem to find any records of his tax forms. No, no. You, you mean he didn't? He didn't. It's not that. out there. So let's say he's claiming Barron as a dependent. I, I checked at the at the income level he is. He would be barely making two hundred and twenty thousand a year. Bring home. Can't donate your salary before taxes. Tax donation has to come after, after. taxes because the government is going to get theirs, as they say. Mm -hmm. They take first. So, he, in three years, he has donated approximately, again approximately, seven hundred seventy thousand dollars. Let's say, mm -hmm. say seven fifty. Three quarters of a million dollars. How much do you think he's made as president? Remember, they valued him at, at, at $1.9 billion. So he wasn't worth $1.9 billion back in 2016. I, I mean, when you consider the golf trips alone, the fact that he's you know, directly enriching himself, which is, 
we could talk all day about that conflict of interest and it's how the, that's... It's the emoluments clause. Right. It's, it, there is literally a clause. So um, I'm sure I'm sure it billions, I would imagine. How so, much, you have the number? Uh, you, you have the number. Well, again, I, I could bring up all kinds of crazy numbers here, and anyone listening who likes Trump, and by the way, we still want you to listen, even if even if you like Trump. We're, we're, just, we're just trying to counter this little blurb that was given out. Oh, what Trump has done for veterans. I spoke with a friend of mine yesterday named Eric, who is a... Uh, uh, a veteran of the United States Navy, and his exact words were F. Trump. And he sent me to a couple sites that veterans go to. And Trump was talking at that particular speech in July 4th, where he was talking about how the, uh, the revolutionary uh, team uh, took over and they, 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 they owned the skies. I don't know how you could do that in 1777, 1778. It's uh, they, 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 they took the airports. and what, Do you remember some of the names of some of the airports back in 1776, Paul? Do you remember any of them? I mean, well, in 1776, there were so many. You know, you had the uh, – there was the uh, George Washington Airport that I think he built out of sticks and rocks. Yeah, right but anyway, was... there's a lot of craziness going on. But he also mentioned in, in a statement uh, on June 30th at the Osan Air Base in uh, South Korea – look at the mouse button there, Paul – the um, it should come back up. There we go. I want to make sure I'm getting my my figures accurate. It's here. And he said this at the Osan Air Base in South Korea. Um, you also got very nice pay raises for the last couple of years. Congratulations. Oh, you care about that? Uh, they do care about that. I didn't think you noticed. Yeah, you were entitled. You know, it was close to ten years before you had an increase. Ten years, and we said it's time. And you got a couple good ones, big ones, nice ones. That's what Trump told a group of, of uh, our military in, in South Korea. The facts, he's been spreading this false, falsehood for definitely more than a year, soaking up cheers, crowds, and for something he didn't do. In May 2018, for example, he declared the graduate of the United States Naval Academy. We just got you a big pay raise first time in 10 years, so he said it again. Mm -hmm. U.S. military members, and this is again according to the uh, the website that I went to about the, the Pentagon, U.S. military members have received a pay raise every single year for 41 straight years. So you mean he's taking credit for things that were already in place again? I know. Hard to believe. Trump also said that the military pay raises under his administration were nothing but extraordinary. They were absolutely the best. So Trump... 2.6 this year, 2.4 last year, and 2.1 in 2017. Raises in 2008, 2009, and 2010 during, uh, what was that guy's name? I think it was. Barack Obama? Barack Obama. Was 3.4% or more. Do you remember when he was um, supposed to go over and celebrate the, the, uh, the uh, not the 100th, but the anniversary of D-Day over in France? Yes. Uh, it was supposed to go to the military cemetery where most of our brave uh, men were, were buried and acknowledge it, but it was raining that day. He did not want to go out in the rain. Also, the uh, well, veteran... snowflakes melt in the rain, so... That's true. And something that's not mentioned in this little blurb here, let's let this guy finish. Oh, and where's the media coverage of this? That's right. They don't cover anything decent about the president, but we will. Please pass this message on to all your online network of friends. Together, we'll get the message out. All right. Well, we're getting the message out now to all six of our listeners. 
he was touting how this economy is the best it's ever been. I mean, he'll tell you this guy's red and look right at it. So it doesn't. Yeah. I guess it does. Of course, he would say it's the best. Well, the the facts that I found: the economy is not one of the best in the country's history. It has expanded at an annual rate of 3.2% the first quarter of this year. That growth was the highest in just four years for the first quarter. So this is his fourth year, and this was the highest growth was in the first quarter of this year. COVID kind of took care of that. In the late 1990s, during um, Clinton, I believe you've heard of that name? Clinton, am I pronouncing that right? Growth topped 4% for four straight years. At a level, it is not reached on an annual basis under Trump. Growth even reached 7.2% during the Reagan years in 1984. Most economists forecast the economy to expand at 2% annual rate from April to June. That's obviously not going to happen with COVID. The economy is now in its 121st month of growth, making it the longest expansion in history. Now, the uh, Trump people right now are clapping their hands, high-fiving each other, and, and bumping their beer guts together and going Trump 2020 when they heard that, realizing that Trump has been 39 months. So where did those other 121 months come from? Under Obama. Right. I've said this from day one. President Obama was not perfect, not by a long shot. He tried to get a lot of things done. And I agree with people when they say, as a president, he didn't get anything done. It's hard when you got Mitch McConnell stonewall and everything. Yeah, when, when Congress and the House of, and, and Senate decides we're going to make sure that you don't get anything through. They pretty much said as much. He had to do a lot of executive orders, more than any other president in history, until, until Trump. Until Trump. Of course. So, who, who couldn't see that one coming? So I want to say thanks to my friend who sent me that little clip. I hope that I've um, shown it for really what it is, propaganda. Thank you for sending us that clip. Yes, please be a patriot and spread this to all five of your friends who are currently at home in a double wide with a 2.8 fax modem. <sighs> now, there are people out there saying that Joe Biden is not competent to be president. Joe Biden's going to delegate and let everyone else handle it. Again, the president doesn't have to be an expert on everything. But I have um, the, the guy who does our Trump clips, because I got us some fun for you in the real, real or fake yeah, he's, Don. Uh, you, he's, you're holding I, something out on I me. sent this over to him and asked him to record it for us. And he sent an email back saying, is, it, is this real or is this one of your fake ones? Because this is a good one if it's a fake one. I said, no, this is real. And he said, no way. And then I sent him the actual clip. This is him doing it. I call this clip Riding with Biden. So anyone concerned about whether or not Joe Biden is mentally fit, just listen to this clip one more time. When asked recently by a reporter, what do you think the protesters want? Harris Faulkner of Fox News asked the president, what do you think they need right now from you? Trump's response was, uh, protesters for different reasons you're, you're protesting also because, you know, they just didn't know. I, I've watched, I've watched very closely. Why are you here? They really weren't able to say, but they were there for a reason, perhaps. But a lot of them were there because they're following a crowd. A lot of them were there because what we witnessed was a terrible thing. What we saw was a terrible thing. And we've seen it over the years we have it, you know, this was one horrible example, but you've seen other terrible examples, you know, that are better than anybody who would know it, and I know it, and I've seen it too. I've seen it 
before I was president. I think it's a shame. It's a disgrace and it's got to stop. So anyone concerned about whether or not Joe Biden is mentally fit, just listen to this clip one more time. So you can understand why he thought that was fake. I can I could smell the bullshit through the speakers. I mean that but that that's pretty much how he responds to anything when he doesn't know what to say and he just he just talks in circles and circles he doesn't say anything specific he just keeps everything in generalities and he runs around in a circle i am more confused and dumber now than i was a minute and a half ago because yeah. i heard that and and that's that's actually frightening because there was there was there, the bar there, wasn't that high there wasn't a coherent <laughs> statement made um, and I, I've heard a lot of friends of mine, I've asked them, why did you vote for Trump and why would you vote for him again? And the, the main answer that we seem to get from people is, uh, well, he, he says what's on his mind. This, that's still why they're – so because he doesn't have a filter, that makes everything that he's doing okay? I, well, I think people identify with that because sometimes they're too afraid to say what's on their mind. Well, and now this guy's given them kind of the, the ability to do so. I, I can tell you something that – it, it just confuses me. You can go to a mental institution right now and find a bunch of people who could put together more coherent sentences than that. Just because you say what's on your mind doesn't mean it's a good idea. I couldn't tell you what he said. I really couldn't tell you. He, to me, that's like somebody just describing a group of people he's looking at and then making up a reason in his head but not saying it. That was incredible. If any Trump followers want to know where that quote was taken, go to our website. Go to our Facebook page uh, and, and give us a yell. I'll send it to you because I that was actually taken verbatim. Now, this next one is it's only eight. It's only eight seconds long, Paul. So you're going to have to pay attention. But this, of course, is 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 our boy. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. I have the but there's no better word than stupid. There you go. Trump criticizes Trump. That yeah. sums it up. All right. Well, now, Paul, it is time to do real Don or fake Don, but I've kind of changed it up on you this All week. Right. Well, I hope you're okay with it because we, we have no other backup at this point because okay. <laughs> <laughs> our producer's going, keep it going. Okay, so now in, in, in our normal segment of real Don or fake Don, and you're going to hear the announcer say uh, one of them uh, is fake. In this case, four of them are fake and one of them is real. Okay. So Your we'll job we'll is to find the real comment. Four are made up. One of them is fake. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to that famous game show, Real Don or Fake Don. In this game show, you'll be given five quotes from Donald Trump. One of them is made up. Case, Your is job real. is to figure Four out which is one is which. Paul, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's begin. One. Number one. Real. one. I personally can't believe how the fake news media treats me. They, they treat me like I'm a pariah when I'm actually the president of the United States. No other president has ever been treated as badly as I have. I mean, and I know all the presidents. Number two. You know the funny thing? I don't get along with rich people. I get along with middle class and poor people better than I get along with rich people. Number three. 
I know a, a lot about the weather. Uh, this uh, hurricane, things that are happening, they need to understand that weather is uh, a term that uh, you can't predict it. You can't you can't know what it's going to do. Um, and I think we've done a fantastic job considering the weather. Number four. I mean, who knew that my appointee would end up getting this much scrutiny? I know good people. I am trying to put good people where they're needed. And the do-nothing Democrats in Congress are basically stonewalling me at every turn. Number five. One time, many years ago, when I was younger, I, not that I'm old, of course, I, I'm not old, I'm not the oldest president, but there's been times that I was younger and I did things that I probably wouldn't do now because I knew then they were wrong. All right, Paul. One of those is real. A lot, a lot to sort through there. A lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of traditional Trumpisms in there to sort through. Um, well, now n- number five. You know, I would say, well, he, he is the, he, he's the oldest president we've ever had, but of course he lies. No, Reagan, the, Reagan was actually older. Oh, was he older? Yeah, okay. Reagan was actually so, older. So he told the truth there, so that can't be. That, that has to be uh, a real. Wait, there's, I'm trying to find the real quote. Only one of those Only quotes. One, okay. Yeah, this is, I, I knew I was going to throw your That's curve, okay. Paul, but you know what, Paul? You're strong. <laughs> um, yeah, see, weather, I, I do remember when he was sort of, he was with the whole hurricane and he was circling the map. So he definitely has dipped into the weather a bit. Um, I'm not sure if that's an exact quote or not. Rich people, middle class, poor people. By the way, none of these quotes were, were, were taken and we just rearranged them. These were completely made up based on topics, again, that you know he's sure. talked about. So. Um, I mean, he definitely likes to, to, make, you, to make you believe he's, he's, one, of the, he's one of them. One of those blue collar, right? As yeah. he during his campaign, people are like, "Oh, I'd vote for him. He's he's kind of like me." Yeah, so he you're is. A, you're a multi-billionaire. Well, yeah. I like, eat McDonald's too. Yeah. You don't fly in a private jet to go pay off hookers to cheat on your wife that's pregnant. But anyway. you know, you guys are one and the same, right? Um, so that that's a that's a you know that's something I could see him saying. Um, you know, I I the one thing I keep coming back to though is his fragile, fragile little ego. And that ego is something that has really been under uh, attack for a while now. And the first one was really sounded like him when I can't, you know, we can't show you. But when he crosses his arms and does that pouty little thing and purses his lips like, "Mm," I picture him doing that and saying that. Um, I could picture him doing that with a lot of them. But it really just sort of struck me as, wow, his ego would say that. So um, I'm gonna guess number one. Uh, I don't know if that's it, but I'm, I'm gonna I have to make a guess. So let's go with number one. Is the one true statement of all that BS? Uh oh. No, not quite, Paul. Not Damn. quite. All right. The only real quote out of that whole thing was where he said he identifies with poor people. Really. And doesn't hang out and doesn't like. Hanging around rich doesn't people. hang out with them. Doesn't like them. Yeah, he and he and uh, I don't know that I've ever. S- <laughs> so now you you've got a toughie for next week. You got to come up with four fake bits 
and one real. All right. Well, we're, we're going to do it. We'll, we'll just flip it now. We'll do four fakes and a real. i got to pick out the real one, and it's, it's way harder. It's hard either way, as you can see. Well, we went, we went a little bit long for segment number one because I really wanted to talk about DJT. We'll be back with uh, segment number two right after this. game shows have you ever wanted to be on one well guess what you don't have to go to california to be on your own game show game show party located right here in the tampa bay area will bring all of your favorite game shows to you your group your organization your company party or just a group of friends all of your favorites like family feud jeopardy wheel of fortune pyramid match game and the really wet game for more information visit the website at gameshowparty.com or call directly 727-531-8880. Again, that number 727-531-8880. Visit the website at gameshowparty.com where you are the contestant. I want to tell you all about my friends at Side Splitters Comedy Club. Uh, my favorite place to go in the Tampa Bay area when I need a laugh. They have top quality talent come through all the time national talent local talent uh, there's always great shows available so if you've never been to a live stand-up comedy show i want you to go check one out they're even better in person sidesplitterscomedy.com you can grab your tickets online you can even pick your seat so sidesplitterscomedy.com go check them out got like a Grand Theft Auto vibe to it. We are back here on the Light of Sun and Dark. Grand um, Theft Auto, you are a gamer, aren't you? I am a gamer. I grew up with an Atari 2600 and never stopped. So that's Oh, so you were a rich kid. I thought everyone had an Atari in those did you, days. Did your parents buy that to you just to so they could you could lure friends over to your house because you were so plain that nobody wanted to hang out with you. Is that really? I happened? definitely was pretty. Was I, feel pretty like quiet. I feel like your therapist, Paul. But let's really get down. To <laughs> let's count down the uh, brass tacks. You and your mom, or you and your dad, or whatever it is. <laughs> what does the joystick represent to you? All right, tell everybody about the new segment we got coming up right now. Dead dinner party. I'm very excited about this. We are going to select three people that we would like to have dinner with. And chat with, I guess there's really the, just the opportunity to ask them, pick their brain, uh, find out a little. So, and, and these are dead people. These, these are dead people. That's, I before, think. Before our time kind of thing? That's really all I took from it. Uh, I, just, I just took anyone who's not currently alive, even if they were up until 10, 15 years ago, but I was thinking as far back as history. This could be, be, maybe even be recurring because there's so many people I could think of. I don't even know that I have a musician written down. And, and actually, I want to have. Actually, I don't have a musician either. And I want, you know, and I'm surprised. I thought maybe Prince might make that list yeah. for you. But, again, maybe we could do this again if, if we like the way it turns if, if out. We're, if we're doing three, I don't, have a, I don't have a musician in my top three. But maybe we'll, we'll revisit this. Maybe we'll do this once a month. Um, but I want to throw one more, uh, one more idea at you. Let's also pick 
the one person, dead or alive, that we would want to have be the server and have to wait on us at this party? Oh, wow. That's an interesting thing. There's a twist. Yeah. All right. All right, Paul, let's, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, and find out here. Uh, dead, dead man's dinner party. Dead All right, so who would your first dead person be that you would like to... Uh... The, uh, the very first person that came to my mind, because boy, would I love his point of view on what is happening right now, is George Carlin. Carlin. I, I literally was about to say that before you said it. I... Carlin is for a lot, you know, and, and again, this is probably generational, but for me, he fit that wheelhouse of, he was my comic hero because not only he started goofy and silly, and then he evolved into very, uh, very social commentary and visionary and almost nihilistic, but his observations were so on point. I always refer to him as a very intellectual comic, very intellectual jamming in New York is I think it was 1991, one of the greatest stand-up specials that I've seen, and it touches a lot on the the oil, the war, and the profit, and the sort of the uh, the military-industrial stuff the that machine. was happening. Yeah, the military. The machine. I, I, I yeah. remember him talking about that. Really, really going into it deeply, and it's just even more so now. You know, beyond we've we've sort of been enlightened to that, but just what's going on about the class separation and how they are just rat fucking us, basically. Oh, yeah. But keep in mind, he was doing this during the Clinton administration. He was, and, and it was still and accurate. It was, it was still accurate. This so, wasn't a partisan thing. This yeah, was so a, a, a class thing. Who's got a blindfold on here thinks everything was perfect during the Clinton administration or everything was perfect during the Obama administration? But government is government. And there were a lot of but he, but I'm I I almost wanted to write down who I thought your three would be. And the only one you I you would have really probably picked that right, Carlin. Yeah. If we were doing like the Last Supper, where we could pick like twelve disciples to sit with us, Carlin would definitely be on my dais. Sure. Um, you may know uh, this particular person who uh, I would like to uh, spend Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. I bet you could pick his brain for a little bit. I I have been fascinated with Howard Hughes. Since probably I did a, a book report on him, uh, autobiographical book report on him. I think I was about ten, sort okay. of in nineteen seventy. That's when they finally let you start picking. Like, uh, who do you want to do a book report? Yeah, because on? you know everybody in school was doing a one on Neil Armstrong. Uh, yeah, the fa- the early famous people, Muhammad Ali, and and so on. And my dad sat down with me, and he goes, "Well, uh, he goes, what do you know about uh, airplanes and aviation?" And I said, "I mean, Dad, I know you're a pilot. My dad was a pilot, but not a." But he had a license. Commercially, he had his pilot's license. And he said, well, here's a little a little book. And this book couldn't have been more than a quarter of an inch thick, paperback book. And he said, this is about Howard Hughes. And you know him as a millionaire, but he was really big into airplanes and aviation. So I did my report on uh, uh, Howard Hughes, the man who revolutionized aviation, I think is how I called it. And so over the years, I've always been fascinated by him. And then the movie The Aviator came out with DiCaprio. Who nailed him? Watched video footage of him, learned his dialect, and he was. Uh, they they said, "How you know you're a crazy nut job millionaire?" He just looked at people. And was no, I am not. I'm a crazy nut job billionaire. Get it right. So he's. I mean, he was a obviously a womanizer and a philanthropist, and and also a kind of Howie Mandel germaphobe. They talk about that a little bit in the movie, but I've also read two books about him. Everybody says he was a bachelor his whole life. No, he was actually married to a, uh, a debutante in Texas. 
and they sent her out to Hollywood with him to hopefully keep him calm. But no, that marriage didn't last, and she went by the wayside by the uh, early nineteen uh, mid nineteen thirties. Howard Hughes would Howard be somebody Hughes that I would have. Makes the list. That's a, I like. I like it. That that right. came out of left field for so me. So I'm the uh, I'm the bouncer at your dinner party. I'm standing at the door of your mansion. I've got my clipboard. I just let George Carlin in. Right. Who's the next person walking up the stairs? Uh, Mr. Tesla, thanks for joining us tonight, Party One. Nikola Nikolai Tesla. Tesla. I, Nikola, uh, I, you Nikola, know, Nikola Tesla. I. I and it's interesting that you said Hughes and were referring to the aviation because I was sort of thinking in the same vein how, how because Tesla was such an innovator, uh, you know, with, with electricity and new, he was just basically like a walking computer that was programmed for now almost with some of the innovations he had. And I would just love to hear what he would do if he had, hey, Nicola, you have the, the unlimited budget and you have unlimited time. Let's pretend the overhead map of the U.S. is is like looking at, like you're just playing a game here and you have no constraints. How do you make the United States the best it could be with its infrastructure, through technology, energy, you know, and harnessing that? And he was so far ahead of all of his people uh, and peers I would love to see what he could do when now he's got the means and people who could kind of understand what he's trying to say. Yeah. And then Edison and his people with all that money, they would just steal all of those good ideas. And then, well, they, they, they painted, they painted him to be a nut job. They would purposely, they, they had people volunteer. They'd pay him 50 bucks was equivalent of five grand today to come up there and stand and, and be shocked to prove that AC current was deadly. It's amazing. The lengths some people will go to, halt progress for their own personal gain. I think that sort of applies in a lot of ways right now, but yeah. A lot of big money got behind Edison, and that's why people consider Edison the father of modern electricity. And again, you stole another one. If we were doing it last supper, top top 12, Tesla would, Tesla be, would be there. All right, so that's good, good to know. So, we, we sort of have a similar thought process in, in terms of the greater picture. Uh, right. So who's number two for you? Well, if you were uh, in, in my position, if you were the bouncer at my uh, palatial mansion, mine would be on the water, Paul. Yours is inland, I'm sure. But uh, you would be standing there, and you would hear jingling, just a light jingling with every step this man would take. And then he would tip his cowboy hat up and say, I'm Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp. Always going to the Old West. Always been a fan of of Wyatt Earp. Read several books about him. The movie Tombstone and the movie Wyatt Earp that came out the same year. Kind of like when Armageddon and Deep Impact came out. Right. You had to like pick which one was better. Deep Impact was a lot more accurate, but Armageddon was a much more entertaining film. Wyatt Earp is almost four hours long with Kevin Costner in it. Wow. Starts from when he was very young all the way through when he and his wife Josie went all over the country and ended up living in Alaska and California. Okay. Um, Tombstone was more entertaining, but it was just about his life really in, in Tombstone. So Wyatt Earp, Are there absolutely. any specific questions that you would, would want to ask? Had you thought of any specific questions? Yeah, I mean, I would say you tried so many other professions other than being a lawman if there was one that you wanted to be more successful at, what would it be? From what I've read and quotes that he said, he just wanted to be, he wanted to be able to invest in something and reap the rewards and live on it for the rest of his life. One of his favorite, favorite phrases was no one ever got rich on a salary. That's a really, really wise statement. So they, they had mining operations in both movies. They get a quarter of an interest in the Oriental 
uh, casino in Dodge in uh, Dodge City, excuse me, in uh, in Tombstone, where he just kind of went in and manhandled the place and said, uh, you know, now I collect one quarter of this place's profits uh, every week, and he became a Pharaoh dealer and stuff like that. But both movies, I also I probably would ask him as well. You know, hey, there's been a lot of movies and stuff made about you. What was 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 this part of the movie yeah, true? Was did this really happen? Yeah, he's all he was also involved in. Uh, it was estimated uh, twenty or more gunfights with multiple people, like just straight up duels. Well, no gunfights. Just gun... was shooting going on. Gotcha. And never, never was grazed by a bullet. Wow. So he must have been a dead eye then. You can't survive twenty gunfights and not get a scratch if you're not quick on a trigger. And accurate. There we go. Interesting. So yeah, White Earp would be uh, would be my second. Earp, so good... he would be sitting to, to my right, and uh, yeah. I wonder what he would think if he looked over and saw George Carlin and Nikola Tesla and and and, and uh, Howard wow. Hughes and like, do I fit? Or Howard Hughes wouldn't even shake his hand. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, he's the one with the gun, though. So I guess he wouldn't be too afraid. All right, uh, Paul. Now time for the third person, whose uh, whose uh, vehicle, if they drove a vehicle, pulled up out front, the door open, and out steps. Out steps, maybe maybe in a similar vein uh, to Nicola, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin is so fascinating to me because of not only how productive he was, but how many different facets of life he became an expert in. He was he was a scientist. He was a writer and publisher. He helped develop the modern postal system. And there is a particularly interesting piece of daylight he, savings time. Created daylight savings time. Another just random stuff. He created the lightning rod through his kite experiments. Um, he wrote the people know about Poor Richard's Almanac. I, 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 I would think, but also when he was twenty, he wrote the Thirteen Virtues, which is so interesting to read now. I'll just read these briefly. These Thirteen Virtues, so we can laugh at how many our president in the current administration doesn't have. <laughs> But he lists in his autobiography 13 virtues, temperance, silence, order, resolution, frugality, industry, sincerity, justice, moderation, cleanliness, tranquility, chastity, well, that's debatable with Ben Franklin, and humility. So 13 qualities... Not one of them. Not one. Not one of them can be applied right now. I just thought that was so. The, the contrast was very striking to me, and I thought, well, here's someone who was at least trying. He was a womanizer by all accounts too. So, but these guys, these successful guys, always seem to have a couple of side pieces. But it looks like he wanted to at least preach some some character of some sort. Yeah, the chastity one I would definitely question. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I, he had syphilis. With what I've read about uh, <laughs> old, old Benny Boy there. He got around. But it was still very interesting. I would love to ask, just again, someone who's so varied in his abilities and talents and his innovations and how he maximized every minute of every day. What The, the most productive per minute guy probably ever. Excellent. Excellent. So you're 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 three, and uh, we'll get we'll we'll get to the person you dislike, who would be serving all of you your meal in just I a moment. I have to figure that one out. So I'll let you I'll let you go a on. Living here. living or dead. Living you, or you dead. You could pick though. a boss. You had a boss at a DJ company you worked with for several years. You could use him. Yeah. Anyway. Um. So yeah, go, you go ahead. Uh. With so your who's set, your set me up for my third. I, would, yeah, third, I need a setup of some sort. This is uh, remember just to recap here. Dead dinner party. We're each picking three guests that are no longer with us that we would love to just pick their brains if we could ask them anything over a dinner party. So, Rob, number three, 
Smith's he, turn. He would walk up to the bouncer, in this case you, and you would say, are you on the list? He would give his name, and you would say no. He would call you a hockey puck. <laughs> Don Rickles. Oh, Don, Don Rickles. Rickles. Great with, choice. Without Great a, choice. Without a doubt, um, we were talking um, when we did our Mount Rushmore of famous stand-up comedians. I'd mentioned Don Rickles. I, I just always had, even as a young child, an affinity for watching him tear people up because I, I even then realized it really wasn't him attacking people personally. He wasn't trying to hurt their feelings. He was literally trying to bring up something about them and make them laugh at themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've read all three of his books. One's called Rickles book, which I would highly recommend for anyone, whether you're a fan or not, because it's just hilarious. And then he has one called Rickles letters. These are letters he wrote to famous people. Over the years, dead or alive, the letters he wrote to Caesar, the letters he wrote to Abraham Lincoln. That is you know. fascinating. And also, I am, I, they asked Johnny Carson, who interviewed, they estimated 50,000 people in his career on The Tonight Show. Um, who was your favorite guest? Before they, they, they finished the question, he said, Don Rickles. He goes, you could, you could not, you couldn't prepare yourself for the directions he would go. He was as quick as he appeared to be. None of that was scripted. He was just so, so witty and sharp and, and pointed. He was brilliant, Don yeah. Rickles. Really and, and actors, and they're still getting paid uh, standard. They get paid like a, it was a standard $400 to go on these talk shows or whatever. Yeah. It's like nothing to a millionaire actor. But they get paid scales, what it's called. They That's get paid right, scale. Right. Don Rickles was one of the only only people that when other guests found out they were going to be on the show the same night, they, they forfeited their scale because they just wanted to. And Burt Reynolds was out there one time. They, he was supposed to be there for two segments, two commercial breaks and two segments. Yeah. After the first one, he goes, bring out Don. Bring out Don. I'll, let's just bring out Don. So they gave Don awesome. his, his two segments plus uh, Burt Reynolds. But he never worked with a script. Think about all those Dean Martin celebrity roasts of the 70s. That was that was what I didn't understand half the jokes the other guys were making. But I knew when he got up there, he would go, he would look over and he'd go, Mr. Chairman, Honorable Pope John Paul, and then our host Dean, thanks for making the trip from the floor. I mean, just, it just his delivery was absolutely the Timing, best. delivery, uh, knowing exactly the right word to use at the right time. And the balls on him to oh, yeah. roast the Rat Pack. Just the, how terrifying must that have been to have towards to try to the, roast? Towards the end of his career. And he only died in 2017, spring of 2017. Recently. I deeply, deeply regret not ever getting a chance to see him live. But he, towards the end of his career, he would do his bit. But if it was in a crowd full of people that weren't expecting him, some of them would boo. And he would just look at the crowd and go, oh, shut up. You know, and, and tell him to be quiet because that was his thing. Yeah. I'm so glad that he didn't try to be because even Lisa Lampanelli was very close to him in style. But she's scaled it way back because the PC police now, you can't even say anything. I've really heard much from her lately. And he had black friends. He had Christian friends, Jewish friends, Muslim friends. He had he his 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 one of his best friends was a black man who was with him for years. Yeah. So he understood. He goes, I, 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 I make funny, not fun. Right. So that would be my three would be uh, Howard Hughes, Wyatt Earp, and Don Rickles. Your side would be Carlin, Nikola Tesla, and Benjamin Franklin. Yep, that's our first three. Maybe maybe we'll revisit that. Uh, like you said, maybe once a month would be good because 
I didn't even have an actor or, or, or a musician on there, which is strange to think because they're fascinating people. Well, let's, let's love to talk uh, you to. Know, we have the ability to do this. Let's call it the monthly uh, dinner party. The monthly monthly dead, dead, man, dead, 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 dead man's <laughs> party. The monthly dead man's party sounds good. So we'll do this once uh, next month. This is episode 24, so by episode 30 or something, we'll have another one. Before we go, uh, it's time to, uh, to do some of our fun phrases. Ooh, oh, yes. wait a minute. We were going to talk about uh, who we would have service. I'll go first. Oh, right. An ex-boss of mine. Okay. Um, he bought out a company that I owned in 2000. And I signed a contract, worked for the guy for a year, was a complete and total prick. I couldn't stand working for him. The day my contract was up, I sent a letter saying I'm not going further. And they sent a letter back to me going, we don't want you. They crossed in the mail. It was fine. Dennis Tesla was his name. Tesla, not Tesla. Dennis Tesla. Dennis Tesla. Again, as far as his acumen or his ability as a businessman, God bless you. But I never liked the guy, and I would love to be able to ring a bell and go, oh, Dennis, we're ready for our next course. Dennis Tesla, fetch me my shine box, will you please? Exactly. Yeah, go get your shine box. Um, that's, yeah, that's a great sweet revenge, right? You, You could pick Hitler. You could pick, you know. I already have one in mind. I want so you know the ex girlfriend that broke up with you on your twenty first no, birthday. No, I have no bitterness <laughs> in my personal life. Nothing like that. You know what I would love to see? I would love to make me go fetch a fresh pitcher of water. Is Ellen DeGeneres? Ooh, not a fan of Ellen. Wow, how Ellen interesting would that is be? Is now notorious in the entertainment world as basically treating people like a pile of shit. Um, if you've ever watched the new game show she's hosting, more than one person has said, man, it's uncomfortable to watch. She really seems to get off on hurting these people. I heard and, I heard she's camera on Ellen and camera off Ellen. That's what I've heard. And that's, a, that's probably a good way to describe her. She know, that, that level of narcissist knows when the camera's on and is going to present the, the, the one face. As soon as the camera's off, the, 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 the hide side comes out. And people like that, there, and, and there was a specific story about her treating a, a, a waitstaff so, so poorly in a, in a certain instance. Um, it had to do with, I think, perfume or, or makeup or something silly. I don't remember. It was petty. And people like that, I want them to understand servitude and humility more than anybody else. So... What would, you, you, what would you have her wear? Like a French maid's outfit? Because you know she'd hate Yeah, that. something you know really that. that would 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 sexualize her in a way that makes her like humiliated. Everything that she does to everyone else, I want her to experience just as karma. Not because I'm a sadist, but I think karma is so deserved. Karma's a it bitch. really is. So fuck you, Ellen. All right. I, I would not have expected that, but as soon as you said it, I said, oh, I bet he's, uh, he's oh, read, talking read about read up on Ellen. On. Yeah, no You'll doubt hear about some it. stories. All right, now, so now we're back to where some of those cool phrases come from. I've got a couple of them here for you. Do you know where the term um, white elephant, like a white elephant table, like they're having a garage sale, it's a white elephant sale. Do you know where that comes from? No, that's a, not, you know, we all know the term. No, what, what is uh, the origination? Well, in, uh, in Thailand, back in olden times, oh, olden in times. Thailand, uh, they would give elephants to people in the community as a gift because an elephant was was a, an animal, uh, a beast of burden almost. They could carry, go long distances, okay. and so on. But a white elephant, which was, they'd say one out of 25 would be white. If you gave someone a white elephant, it was considered a bad gift 
because they were so impossible to keep clean and take care of. So that's the 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 runt, the bad one, the yeah. sort of like not looking a gift horse in the mouth. Well, it might have shitty teeth. Don't want to insult yeah. them. I'm sorry, this elephant's white. Uh, it's, it's like but that's where the term you know, oh, well, it's, it's just a white elephant because there was some ceramic white elephant on somebody's uh, rummage sale that nobody ever buys. You could put like buy buy this, and I'll give you the white elephant free. They'd go, no thanks. Yeah, you can keep it. All right, um, giving someone the cold shoulder. The cold shoulder, boy. There, you know, there are so many more phrases, phrases that we use all the time. And there's some that I've thought of that I meant to mention that I haven't heard yet. So I know you're going to come out with them. Cold shoulder, giving someone the cold shoulder. Um, I certainly know what that's like now, having been married. You're and married. Received the, received the cold shoulder. That is no, that is no disparaging statement to Paul's lovely wife well, or to well my served. lovely wife, but. But no, I'm husbands, not I'm easy to leave away husbands and wives in general, some, they, they, but yeah. they don't even know where it comes from. Why are you giving me the cold why shoulder? Why am I getting that cold shoulder? What does it mean? I want to know why I'm getting it. In, in what time period, Paul? <laughs> yes, the olden times. Olden times. <clears throat> yes, they. Uh, it was something that was done at the end of a dinner party when they wanted people to leave, but etiquette did not allow them to say, okay, it's time for the dinner party to be over. It's time for you to go. The chef would come out of the kitchen with a cold piece of pork shoulder and give it to them to eat. That was their sign that the party was over. Wow. When you're given a cold piece of meat, which is normally a shoulder meat, shoulder from a cow, shoulder, you sure. eat pork in the analysis I've got. Yeah, pork shoulder, sure. Yeah. A cold shoulder cold means shoulder. it's time for you to go. That is that is really like a passive-aggressive power move. Like, here, keep eating. Yeah. Enjoy this cold food. Yeah, just walk over and put or a big, put a big glob of mashed potatoes on there nice and cold. So, no, no, finish that, yeah, and then you can ahead. go. Just tell me how delicious and piping hot it is. All right, here's one that we've all used, we've all seen, and its origins even surprised me. Kick the bucket. Kick the bucket when you die. Oh, I'm going to kick the bucket. There's two origins of this. I've heard of one. I didn't hear the other. I'll tell you which one I heard of first. Okay. Olden times. Olden times. We're getting better at that, Paul. In olden times, when someone would die, the caretaker, the the coroner, whatever, would sit them on a table and bend their knees up slightly and put a bucket at the end. That's how they knew rigor mortis had set in, when the legs would straighten up, the muscles would tighten, and the bucket would fall off the table. Wow. You're dead now. You've kicked the bucket. That's the official I had heard of that one. So if you had said to me, kick the bucket, that's what I would have said to okay. you. But you're getting now you're hearing conflicting reports. Right. Now, in in more modern times, that's rare for one so of these things. In more times, modern times. Modern. What is the most common form of suicide? Hanging. A lot of people don't realize that. Really? Yes. That's the most common. It's, it's more common Ooh, than gruesome. taking an overdose of medications. It's more common than gunshot suicides. Ooh. Hanging. In hanging, the the main way that people, because ceilings used to be much lower than they are now. They would stand on a bucket, put the noose around their neck, and then kick the bucket out from under them. Both really make perfect sense. Yeah. So I guess we could say they're both valid. Yeah, I guess so, depending on which which way you want to kick the bucket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you you want to do it yourself, or do you want someone else to do I it for you? told my wife wanted to be cremated. She got me an appointment for next Thursday. <laughs> still love that joke. Still love that joke. And the last one. You've got someone over a barrel. Oh, this doesn't sound like it's going to end anything not painful, I can tell you that. Is there tar in that barrel or something? So you've heard the phrase, obviously. Definitely have heard the phrase. Got you over a barrel. I'm, I'm assuming you're going to drop me into it next. Yes. Uh, so. Over over a barrel was common in? Olden times. Olden times. When they would take someone down to the village square to punish them. 
they would drape their body over a barrel, causing their back to arch in that rounded manner to whip them and flog them. That was even worse than what I thought. I thought, yeah, just dunk them in a pot of lava. It's over. Nope. We're going we're gonna to bend your spine and then beat the piss out of you. That's literally it. It's, it's a way to make the back arch and expose more back tissue and make, and make the bones spread. People, I know people are barbaric now, but people were really just awful. I'm telling you, though, right now, man, you, you saw it in the movie Idiocracy, Monday Night Rehabilitation. Yeah. How many people were in the stands to watch that guy get killed? And I'm telling you, if they brought, I'm telling you right now, if they allowed public executions to be on TV, pay-per-view, I guarantee you it would have higher ratings than Live PD. It's so sad, but you're right, because the people have a morbid curiosity. And they are in their mind justifying it, like, well, that's justice. You know, he was a criminal, whatever. But, yeah, yeah, there's always, I think George Carlin, again, he's one who brought up, you know, they should have, they should have these people just fight to the death and charge money and make it a spectator sport just the way they used to in Rome. I'm telling you, if they did it and, and our society now may end up going back that way. We've made a sociological or ideological shift in our nation in the last three or four years, maybe five or six years. Who the heck knows? All right, the LSD podcast, getting ready to go into segment number three, in which we will be talking about our Mount Rushmore, which this week is? The wrestlers from the 80s and beyond. Pro wrestlers. Who would we carve in there? You can find us on lightersideofdark.com. And also, we are on a bunch of new formats this week. When we come back, we're going to go over all the other places that you can listen to our podcast, All Nine of You. We'll be right back, segment three in a moment. forever story you tell the story we make sure people hear it at my forever story you have an opportunity to record your life story in your own word and in your own voice after you're gone this story can be played and listened to by all of your family those who knew you and even some who never got a chance to meet you in most cases it's under a hundred dollars we come to you we sit down with you you answer the pre-selected questions that you chose so there's no surprises the entire process takes less than an hour you can elaborate as much as you would like tell the stories from when you were little all the way up until now tell your loved ones your story while you still can. We know how much it means to your loved ones to hear your voice. At My Forever Story, we give you that opportunity. Call us directly at 352-606-0248 or visit the website at my4everstory.com. That's www.my4everstory.com. The testimonials we've received are heart-wrenching. Again, my Forever Story. You tell the story. We make sure people hear it. It's conveniently stored on our national website as an MP3, so your friends and loved ones can listen to your story from their phone or a computer. My Forever Story. Hopefully, you'll take advantage of this opportunity. Call us today, 352-606-0248. At Cuppy Cakes, we want your special moments to include beautifully crafted and incredibly delicious cakes. Our cakes are made with the freshest ingredients and custom to your specifications. From weddings, baby showers, to sweet 16 parties, we can make a cake that will be as memorable as your special event. Check us out 
at OurCubbyCakes.com. That's O-U-R-C-U-P-P-Y-C-A-K-E-S.com and place your order today. segment number three so uh, don't forget to uh check us out on some new podcast formats that we are now currently available we've been available on spotify and uh, anchor media but paul i understand since we got that new intro music we're legal we're legit we're an 18 year old right now so uh where else could people find us we are now also on pocket casts breaker and Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Have you ever heard of that company, Google? I, that that G O O G L E. They've uh, they've done a few things. They've, they've done a couple things, huh? Yeah. So Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Pocket Casts, in addition to Spotify and Anchor. So check us out on any of those platforms. Right, sounds good. Yeah, that's just recent. So uh, spread the word and tell people about us. We uh, are talking with our good friends at Side Splitters Comedy Club, which you heard from just recently with a, a great commercial done by my co-host, Solio. And uh, we're going to hopefully get some uh, Side Splitters Comedy Club passes to start giving out to uh, various listeners from time to time. But now it is time for the Mount Rushmore segment. Uh, some past Mount Rushmores. Uh, by the way, Paul, I did literally have 12-year-old. I don't know how we got a 12-year-old listening to our podcast. Maybe at COVID, he's home, nothing else to do. Maybe he's a gamer like you doesn't, <laughs> doesn't leave the house. I'm trying to bring the young demographic. He in. said he didn't quite understand what we meant by Mount Rushmore. He goes, why don't you just call it the top four? He didn't understand what Mount Rushmore was. So pretend I'm the 11-year-old kid and tell me what Mount Rushmore All right, son, is. Well, what, what does this segment mean? So, see, son, when a man loves a woman... Um, no, <laughs> Mount, Mount, our Mount Rushmore is our version of a top group. Um, you know, you've seen the four presidents uh, that are carved on Mount Rushmore. And the four and are George Washington. George Washington. Thomas Jefferson. Abraham Lincoln. And the, and the president who was, who was president when and he agreed to build it. Is it Theodore Roosevelt? It is Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. Right. So, so he gets the, he gets like the, to kick things off. It, it sounds like. Does that only, mean we have to put one mediocre person on? It, it, it sounds like um, in the old Sesame Street bit, one of these things doesn't belong here. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. But at, at any rate, we try to put uh, the four that we think represent uh, our our version. We'll each give our own uh, Mount Rushmore of whatever the, subject it various is. Various topics. We did the Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedians. We had Carlin. We had Pryor. We had uh, Jeff Foxworthy and Jerry Seinfeld, if I remember correctly. And then Chris Rock called and said, what the hell are you doing? And no, he didn't call. But uh, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure that if anyone listened to it, they said, what? Absolutely. So it happened. You know, that's, it's going to be controversial. And uh, we did the top four uh, famous, uh, top Mount Rushmore famous TV cars. TV cars. Which was the General Lee uh, kit from Knight Rider, the Batmobile. And I think we agreed the fourth one was either between the A Team van and the Starsky and Hutch car. And the Starsky and Hutch car edged out the A Team van by like a vote or two. By a, by a tomato. Because you, you can go on to our website, which is lightersideofdark.com or find us on Facebook at LSD Podcast. LSD Podcast. Or Lighter Side of Dark. That'll come stands, up. Stands for Lighter Side of Dark. 
What do they call that? An, uh, an acronym? Them one of the, I don't know if I think an acronym is supposed to actually spell something out. I think that's lighter, cider, dark, LSD. Oh, I guess LSD. Yeah, because in this case, but, all right. So yeah. Well, you weren't you at the University of Florida, so I'm not expecting you to know that much about English. That's the extent of my English. Okay, so this week's Mount Rushmore is the top four professional wrestlers, and we had to we had to pick a time. Uh, after 1980s and beyond, I think. And, and the reason the reason we did that for those listeners who will want to bring up guys that were before that, our reasoning is is they were very regional. Um, yeah. I grew up in the Midwest, and the biggest wrestler in the Midwest was Dick the Bruiser. And I mentioned that to somebody else, and they go, "Who's Dick? The Who's Bruiser? Dick the Bruiser?" Right. Um, territories and, and, and yeah. it was it was more segmented so I and, think we, and we know then that's when uh, Vince Vince McMahon bought out his dad and began making it national so number one I don't think either one of us have any argument this is on both of ours is Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan number one number he's the first face we're going to carve into there you have uh, to like him or not uh, uh, whether he was the good Hulk Hogan or the bad Hulk Hogan with the NWO towards the end of his career with the WCW and and that's I think one of the one of the main reasons why he was my first choice uh, here. When I was younger, I loved Hulk. I had the shirt. The it's still somehow not. I couldn't tear it even at age ten. I didn't want to tear it anyway. Absolutely. But it was such a great baby face for the eighties throughout the eighties. Then he went from being the most beloved wrestler to being one of the biggest heels in the history of wrestling when he you know turned and joined the nwo which was the next big thing at the time and for him to pull that off and be probably the biggest baby face of the 80s and the biggest heel of the 90s is he is the legend for that reason alone terrible technical wrestler amazing amazing performer you you could argue that he put professional wrestling on the map. Absolutely. You could argue that and it would be Vince great. set the stage and Hogan just he, yeah. he slammed big, Andre he down. The big leg, <laughs> he dropped the leg, leg on the industry. And Absolutely. Uh, actually uh, Hulk Hogan um, is a, uh, a former client of mine. I DJ'd his uh, 40th birthday party at the Clearwater Diner out on Clearwater Beach. Big surprise party for him. That's where I met Mouth of South Jimmy Hart. Uh, I met Vince McMahon who was there and probably at least another 20 or 30 wrestlers that are big here in the Central Florida area. And uh, a very nice person. Uh, I asked for a photograph. He didn't you know, blink twice. He just grabbed me and pulled me over. I looked like a child standing <laughs> next to him. But a uh, nice guy. And uh, his uh, now ex-wife, Linda, um, much like a lot of relationships that you hear, she ran that place. You know, Hogan's six seven. At the time, two sixty-five, maybe, maybe even two seventy-five, and there's this wife, you know, five foot nothing, running around. She might as well have been grabbing by the nose and pulling him wherever she wanted him to go. So uh, takes yeah. a strong woman to deal with someone who's who's a, got the presence of a of a Hulkster. That's for I sure. I would think of other words to describe her, but let's go with strong woman. Strong woman. Let's go with strong woman. Starts with a B. All right. So the strong first, woman. The, the first face, the first face we're carving on Mount Rushmore, uh, famous professional wrestlers. What you gonna do, Mean Gene? And he did use, he did talk like that to his friends a lot of time, brother. Oh, I, I so, uh, and uh, I saw in the NWO a documentary. I actually just saw that recently because I was a huge fan. He was very, very reluctant to make that turn. I remember. He, he was afraid. This, but when they were going to make Macho Man be the next one to turn, he said, no, 
It needs to be me. I want to be the third guy. All right. Who is uh, number two on the Mount Rushmore? I will see if you will agree with me. Woo! Ric Flair. I, uh, I purposely left Rick off of mine oh, so, that, so that me. I could put my substitute. I have four, and All I'll right. give you my reasons. All right. Well, I, I agree that he belongs on there. I didn't put him on mine okay. because well, Rick, Rick I, Flair, he was a, uh, a, a a bleach blonde wrestler. I know that really narrows it down. <laughs> That's like saying an overweight Trump supporter. Um, but he he came from uh, North Carolina, and he was big in the, uh, the the Carolinas wrestling scene. Carol, both Carolinas, Georgia, a little bit of Tennessee. He was the Hulk Hogan of that of that uh, particular area, and came on the scene with his patented uh, woo that I just did that I don't do very well. And the chest chops. Oh, he would. He he could hit it. He you had can hear he t- from. I can hear him now. Yeah, in, 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 in the cheap seats, he would do these these chest slaps with a backhand like a karate chop and make this clapping sound. He used to teach wrestlers how to do it. He perfected the art of the cowardly heel that you just want to you just want to smash his face in. You hated him. You hated him. But as he walked up, you went, "Man, what I wouldn't give to be him right now," in in that. Big, huge, uh, amazing Diana Ross sequined coat. Um, he was definitely the man. And even right now, it's 2020, and every time a wrestler chops another wrestler and makes that move, the entire crowd goes, "Woo!" It's become that, and that's it's it's gonna it's gonna go on that forever, will last forever. And I happened to be at WrestleMania 24 and saw his last match with uh, Shawn Michaels. So I saw his wow. his exit match. We talked about that last week. How a lot of wrestlers lost their final match. Mm-hmm. So. I was there for that. So definitely Ric Flair would be on uh, Mount Rushmore uh, carved for me. All right. So uh, you're breaking out the hammer and chisel. I'm who breaking out the hammer and chisel and uh, who I put, because I, I knew I knew you were going to go with Rick. So I wanted to put someone in who I thought also deserves it that may not make it on some people's lists, but he makes it on mine. And that is someone we mentioned earlier, the Macho Man. Macho Randy Man. Oh, yeah. What you going to do? Macho Man, Cream Randy Savage. Bring it a crop. Randy Savage. I, when I was uh, growing up, as much as I loved Hulk, I hated Macho Man Randy Savage. There's so many things about Savage that I think make him great and deserving. First of all, his promos were also fantastic. Every bit as good as Hogan. Randy Savage could cut a promo as a great heel. He could he could improvise. He could take it in a direction and just go with it. And he... He was intelligent and, and vicious. He just cut great promos. That was one of them. He knew how to get heat. Remember when he injured Ricky Steamboat? He took the bell and he drops the elbow on the probably one of the most beloved baby faces of the 80s was no Ricky Steamboat. Ricky the, the Dragon Steamboat. And he went after him. Then he was on the stretcher and he went after him again. He was such an asshole. He had this, and, and, and then he skirted this line. He had this beautiful Miss Elizabeth. Oh, Miss Elizabeth, wow. And this poor woman is like the captive of this savage, literally the savage. But th- that that was such an interesting line to skirt because he was kind of abusive and, and very controlling. But it, w- it was an incredibly deep You would character. never find the kind of treatment to a valet happening now no. in 2020. No, never. So, he, you know, she was treated like property, but... They found a way as much as they, you know, he was a great villain to Hulk for the, for the late 80s. And he always had, to, you know, he always had to defer. But he was such 
a fantastic heel. He pulled. I didn't like the king, the macho king thing, but he ran with it. He just knew how to get heat, and he was able to also be a babyface. Somehow get sympathy. And how long has he been gone? Ten years now. Yeah, I think so. But I cannot, I cannot walk into a Seven Eleven, grab a Slim Jim, yep. not open it, and go bite into a Slim Jim. Yep. Dig it. I, I still do that to this day. I, I feel like it's, it's crazy. He just didn't get the run he deserved. He he had a brief one in '88, but Hogan was still in the picture, and it wasn't gonna. He was never gonna get the spotlight with Hogan around. You're never gonna be the Pharaoh until the Pharaoh dies. And 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 when the Pharaoh went to WCW, by then it was all. And then he followed him there anyway. It, it was just not the right timing, but. Randy Savage. I probably went on too long there, but uh, I no, thought I, he was. I, I would. I would agree. Randy Savage is not on my top four. He, he's who I left. He's why I left Flair off because Randy he pulled off uh, pulled off some some controversial things that I that I think were number three on uh, my Mount Rushmore for professional wrestlers. Yeah, he is on mine as well. Whenever. The bell tolls and the Undertaker's music hits. The crowd goes ballistic. One of the many, many incredible things about The Undertaker is when you consider he started in the cartoonish uh, WWF, as it was then, and sort of fit there as this scary Undertaker. And he ended in the, uh, well, beyond the, he went beyond the Attitude Era into the car, and he always stayed relevant. Right. Um, I, I don't want to. This is your guy, so I want you to. I want to let you talk about. No, that. you that was you you spoke it very. One uh, thing that just very immediately stood out. Very eloquently. Yeah, he was a guy who uh, Paul Bearer was his valet and would come out. He's all the talking because Mark Calloway wasn't that good at dialoguing quite yet. So, and it also fit the character. It's sort of it was very uh, uh, imposing and intimidating to just have him sort of stare and be this seven foot guy. And this creepy, oh yeah, but but you want to talk about agility. He would go up to the third rope, the top rope, and walk along and balance himself while holding the other guy's hand and do this vicious shoulder whip or come down with the elbow right on top. And that is another reason why he belongs there is unprecedented agility for a man his size. He used to do that rope walk in in the NWA before he... He, that was always a part of his repertoire, and I'm, at his size, that's that's sickening. Yeah, but he had so he had the finishing move, the tombstone, and then he had the uh, the slam, the tombstone slam, because they stopped doing the tombstone towards the end of his career. Yeah, pile drivers. But he's the, he's the, he's the type of wrestler, and even even back in the day when Hogan was at his peak. When you would hear that, that music would come out. The crowd would react a little bit, but I've never seen a reaction quite like it. That gong of the when the bell tolls, it's almost as big a reaction as the glass breaking for Stone Cold. It's almost. I was that gonna. Big. I was. Mm. Yeah, it's almost that big. But, you, but wrestlers mm. would be out there and gong, and all of a sudden the entire place goes black, and everybody starts looking. At the, at the gateway where they're supposed to come down, even wrestlers would just turn and go like, oh, crap, it's The Undertaker. It was such a great... He just retired. Yeah, about six just we- retired. About six weeks ago, did his last match at WrestleMania with uh, AJ Styles. And it was a little hokey, but you know what? For a guy his age, he still can hold his own. 
So he would be my number three. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, you cannot argue with us. This one will be argued uh, because inevitably you're leaving. I'm, I'm going with an attitude error here, uh, and inevitably you're going to have to leave off a major player if, if you're going to go with an attitude error. So for mine, I am choosing that breaking glass. Stone Cold Steve Stone Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin. You have to consider The Rock, but here's the thing with The Rock. As incredible as he was, and he was every bit as good as Stone Cold in, in the way he could just he, – he could captivate a crowd almost like no other. But he was such, had such a short run, yeah. and he had Hollywood aspirations early on. So I'm not counting The Rock only because of that. He really had a prime of about three to four years, if that. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy to think because he was so the face of it. But so I eliminated him from my attitude era pick. Triple H is a good. The only heel. time they ever, the only time they ever met in a match, though, The Rock won. Um, for with the, the with Rock. Stone Cold. I'm pretty sure they had a couple of back and forths in the. I actually in the late watched 90s. it on WWE Network just a few nights ago. Okay. He had to do three rock bottoms to right. get Stone Cold. I, I, yeah, I remember that, and I think he was the heel at the time. I think. Stone Cold well, the, was, the crowd was yelling back and forth. They liked really, them both, but it was one of those shades of gray. The coin was spinning, but it wasn't landing on heads or tails yeah. at that point. Um, so I, I, I left off the rock. Triple H, you know, he, he was a good villain, but he, he was never as interesting to me. He His promos are always kind of very tepid and, and, and like, uh, you're just acting like a bad guy. Uh, so he was never my favorite. Um, I, Michaels, you know, again, you can't argue with, he was probably, he might be one of the best technical wrestlers besides Bret Hart, who also deserves a, a, a honorable consideration. Mention. Yeah. But again, uh, I just, his mic work wasn't that great to me. And he was such a notorious asshole. When Stone Cold would ask the crowd for a hell yeah, that was one of the loudest things. And that is the reason I chose Stone, Stone Cold, uh, among many others. He first of all, basically ushered in the Attitude Area. When he gave that stunner to Vince McMahon, all of a sudden, WWE was a different product. And they, they, and they, had, they, had, they had to bring in the Attitude Era to compete with the NWO yep. because WCW had been dominating the ratings ever since the NWO took over. Which was also an incredible angle, probably the best angle. Yeah, the best, the best angle in wrestling history will be the NWO. Uh, yeah. And, and but for 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 Austin to, to develop this angle where suddenly now it's him against the world, but him against the 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 guy who up until then was sort of a neutral character in the '80s. He was sort of the babyface announcer, you know. Back you know he wasn't announcing himself as the owner, but but you know he be, he was a neutral figure until Stone Cold started antagonizing him. And at one point, Stone Cold was the bad guy. He there. made he made him the establishment. He did. He created Vince. Uh, he, he built him up as the establishment. Vince then embraced that. He was like, you know what? I am the fucking bad guy here. I am the evil, evil, evil guy. And then Stone Cold became the perfect anti-hero. It was no longer the shirt-ripping Hulk Hogan, good guy. I'm going to save you from the bad it's guys. Just a guy coming out wearing a black leather vest, a pair of jeans. Drinking and- beer and flipping the bird. Yeah. Couldn't be more opposite Hogan. But the pop you heard when the glass broke. I would argue was every bit as in his prime injuries got to Austin and that sucks. Cause that it really, his career at least 15 years earlier than it could have so gone. So much earlier. And that stupid heel turn they made with the what I hated that. So that almost made me have to reconsider, but because of his impact on the attitude era, ushering that in 
and creating that dynamic and just becoming the first mega anti-hero baby face Stone Cold gets it. All right. Well, I would. Uh, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, several of the honorable mentions that you were just talking about. Uh, the Rock, if he had a longer career in Absolutely. wrestling, probably would be on my list. Um, I had Stone Cold. Uh, it's probably fifth or sixth mm-hmm. on my list. It's hard to ignore. I wish that we were allowing the carving of a of a moniker up there because the NWO would have to be there. But <laughs> we're going with individual wrestlers because Scott Hall and uh, and Kevin Nash. That what they did with WCW was was genius. I know. I, I couldn't put both of them on, and I couldn't put two for one, but definitely agree with that. But I would say uh, my fourth one is uh, a current wrestler, still still wrestling to this day. Um, well over 20-year career, known as the legend killer, Randy Orton. Now, I was I was really bouncing back and forth between Triple H and Randy Orton because Triple H in ring is merciless. He really puts on a great he's show. A good, he's a good heel. But he's a part owner of the company, so he really knows he has to put on a great show. Um, I know being an owner of a company myself, when I perform, I think well, I got to be my absolute best. Cause and I'm, he's always sort of been that. He's always yeah. had a lot of pride, Triple H. I know that. I mean, the best thing Triple H ever did was uh, Stephanie McMahon, actually. <laughs> it was the best thing he ever yeah. did. Um, Great and, political and, play. And in her prime, what only made her hotter was the fact that she was a billionaire. But anyway, I would say Randy Orton because he's the legend killer for a reason. He's been around since the uh, evolution of wrestling with Ric Flair and Batista. 2004, maybe. Yeah, and then he was the youngest ever WWE world champion. Good technical wrestler, but but a, a, a bad guy. Yeah. Just the epitome of a bad guy. Yeah, he was I a good think asshole. He, he baby-faced, he transitioned baby-faced two or three times during his career, but they were always very short-lived. He has such a punchable face that you can't keep him as a baby-face. He yeah. just does. He looks like the kind of guy... That's just sneering at you all the time. And honestly, that's brilliant because that's what you want. I could picture him wearing a MAGA hat and just wanting to punch him right in the mouth. But but Randy Orton, and even he's had some matches in the last year. Uh, The match with Edge at WrestleMania, last man standing match. Great technical wrestler. When people say wrestling's fake, I said, okay, do what they just did. (laughs) Take a bump. Perform for an, an hour straight with no breaks. And you're going to get hurt somehow during this. You're going to get hurt trying to get through the ropes when you realize the ropes themselves hurt. Yeah, they're steel. They're they're hard. Yeah. They, 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 they make it look like they're fighting on a pillow and rubber bands. That's the, that's the art of it. In, in the early, excuse me, mid-90s, I was uh, dating a girl who worked for uh, WFLZ 93.3. And she got me and my son tickets to a wrestling event over at the Ice Palace. And we got a chance to go in there beforehand when they were setting everything up. There were no wrestlers around. I didn't meet anybody who did this to me. But I said, uh, and my, my son was jumping up and down in the ring because he could feel that it was like springboarding. Right. And it didn't kill his feeling of wrestling, but he understood now why that was there because these guys are getting thrown so much. But then the guy came up to me and he goes, so uh, are you one of those people who thinks wrestling is fake? And I said, no. He goes, well, I'll tell you what. He goes, run at the corner turnbuckle there, and at the last minute, turn around and throw your back into it. Right. Tell me what you think. I did it the whole rest of the night during the wrestling match. I could feel the pain in my back. I and believe these that. guys are two or three and 350 pounds being thrown into it. You can't fake that. I know. You just have to learn, like you said, how to take a bump. Mm-hmm. And it's, 
it, it hurts. There's no way around it. You can take a bump lighter. You can take a bump. You know, you can work stiff and, and try to hurt someone intentionally, but it hurts. And it's. I wanted to put the Ultimate Warrior on my list so bad because he was always my favorite wrestler that I would say again, his his term, six years, yeah. five years. Yeah, and he to me, he was also very one-dimensional as he a wrestler. He couldn't dialogue. He couldn't cut a promo. He had weird. He had these weirdly interesting promos in the early, late 80s, early 90s that were just him talking like a crazy alien warrior, which seemed to fit the character at the time. But his, 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 his he was just one-dimensional. He'd get in the ring. He would run. He was just all well, you, adrenaline you and steroids. Remember the WrestleMania where he beat Hogan? That was supposed to be the passing of the torch. Right. Hogan was looking to start stepping back from wrestling a little bit. Yeah. And they passed the torch because the Warrior pressed him and and yep. and beat him he like won. Hogan when Hogan clean, a clean pin. Yeah. When when Hogan slammed the giant, picked up the giant and slammed him. You know, that was the transition right. that gave Hogan. But he couldn't dialogue, so within six months, Hogan was back. He just had that. The, the one dimension was, was a powerful and impactful, like like Goldberg. You know, it's just this force, but that's all it is, yeah. and then it's over. And if Warrior doesn't win early on, you know, he just doesn't have enough depth in his And, in his and you, just, you just brought up another honorable mention. Goldberg, if yeah. Goldberg honorable had mention. started his career a little bit earlier in life, and or if he'd really taken wrestling seriously... I think he could have easily made my list and probably yours too. The idea of him and the execution of the early days of him were brilliant. It's just, it was sort of a trap. It's like, all right, eventually he's going to have to lose. And when he does, Goldberg's no more. The shine is off the diamond. And, and he point. was the one person that couldn't lose and continue to have that aura, I think. And even though wrestling being scripted and predetermined, he was based on being invincible. And then they tried to bring it back with the Brock Lesnar thing. Oh, 20 years later, he's going to do that to Brock Lesnar. And now as a part-timer, yeah. it, it just, he didn't he, have enough. He, he was a guy who had amazing intensity. Definitely. He could, he could be looking up at a guy, staring up at the guy and still scaring. Yeah. I mean, I'm watching look, him looking right in the eye of the Undertaker, looking up at him, looking up at the big show, looking yeah. up. The aggression and the menacing, like, that you can't fake that. He had he had the physique for it. He had the presence for right. it. All right. To close this segment, who would be a current wrestler that you think in ten years would make your if he had if he if a current wrestler right now if they lasted another ten years, who I, do you think? I, you know, I mean, I'm not as up on as the current the current. It's hard to watch now to without the live crowds. It's hard. I, I force my way through it because of the female wrestlers. I predominantly force my way through it. <laughs> and I just I found I just didn't find the I, once once they went public and had to answer to corporate sponsors. To me, the product really, really got just watered down too much for my taste. It went from cartoonish to over the top, maybe even a little too much to corporate wrestling. I started to lose interest, so I'm not really. I would probably have. If we forgot to mention Cena as an honorable mention. I'm not a fan, but I can't argue that the guy's been on top for 15 to 20 years, and all the stuff he does with the Make a Wish. I can't really, you know, ignore that. But hard to, hard to dislike him. Yeah, he, he's a likable person, um, and so he does deserve. So, so I guess we too. could say we, you know, we maybe we gotta we, wait. <laughs> we, we don't dislike him, but we're not quite sure we like him. I'm not a fan of him as a wrestler, but I like what he stands for. And I like the fact that he's been consistent and he is who he appears to be at least so far that I respect right. that. 
a lot. So he probably should be on there. I just, again, four spots. Good luck. Get in line. Right. <laughs> well, there's a current guy, uh, Braun Strowman. He's a big, He's a big dude. bruising son of a gun and very, very popular with the crowd. It's going to be hard. To Good turn, on the mic. Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to turn him heel. Strowman's got a shot. Um would also probably have to say Seth Rollins has got a shot because he's got longevity. AJ Styles, uh, Roman Reigns, those those are four guys right now. I am that, interested that, to see the longevity of them because I, I am aware that they are all popular, although it, it seems like Reigns... Uh, WWE has been trying to get Reigns over for years. It seem, that's what my understanding is, is that they're sort of pushing him. The and, only and time he was liked is when he was out with leukemia. That was the only time the crowd liked him. Okay, Didn't make a lot of sense to me. All right, well, that's going to wrap up episode uh, 24, El Doso Cuatro, I think is how they would say that in uh, in El Spanish. See. So uh, be sure to visit us on our website, Lighter Side of Dark. Also, you can go to our Facebook page, LSD Podcast, or you can also find us on Lighter Side of the Dark there. We would love your input on any wrestlers that maybe we left off the Mount Rushmore segment this week. Uh, I want to say a big thanks to our sponsors, uh, Cubby Cakes. Sizeblers Comedy Club Game Show Party, My Forever Story. That's going to wrap it up. Solio, you got anything else on your mind, or can we consider this one uh, a wrap? I just want to say it's been a pleasure working with you. Oh, it has always been a pleasure working with me, hasn't it? It you, certainly I, is. I, I, that, I like the way you turned that around on me. So next week, you got to come up with Real Don or Fake Don. Four fakes. Four fakes. And one real. I'm on it. Good luck, and everybody out there, please stay safe, wear a mask, and... Uh, Practice social distancing. We'll get through this thing. Take care, everybody. Side of Dark is produced at the My Forever Story Studios in Spring Hill, Florida, in association with RSP Entertainment and Events and Solio Entertainment. Written and produced by Rob Smith and Paul Solio. Edited by Rob Smith. Original music provided by Elijah Seth Book, available on Instagram. All material used in the show is done for entertainment purposes only and not to be taken seriously. Available on Facebook at LSD Podcast. Lighter Side of Dark, copyright 2020.